But you'll have done research, won't you? I, I did a little bit, but I, I, I figured um, all we need I, is four, four or five you, questions. The rest we can just talk. You figured I'd know it all, didn't you? Yeah, you know it all. <laughs> so you so you were um, interested in asking me questions, too. I'll ask you one, too, for sure, yeah. Okay. Um, well, you have, some, you have some really good viewpoints. I appreciate that. I uh, I, I think I've found myself in an unpopular position at times. I don't know why, but I think maybe just it's always the vocal minority you hear. But that's but that's because you're doing all right. You yeah. wouldn't hear anything if you weren't doing all right because nobody cared. That's true. But, but the guy, that guy Bob Ball, is it? Yeah. He's he's very good too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I sit. I, I sit. I don't like Rappaport. I, I, I'm not keen on his stuff. Um, because I don't like it too mainstream. You know, you need somebody with a point of view, and and that's why I started reading you. And then then I suddenly looked. I thought, fuck, he gives the winner of the tournament every week as well. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, and that's how it started. That's how I started, and I. I the, I, the first thing I ever did was betting and stuff, but then I got so into it that I just couldn't get away from it. And I was in it 18 hours a day and I wanted to know everything and talk to people. And I started writing um, like editorials and then news pieces as well as the betting stuff. And I used to write betting for Action Network, but now I just do it all in the same place. So. Yeah, you go. Yeah, it's it's, it's fun. Um, we'll, we'll probably circle back around to that. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you is this, and I. I like to, we'll skip all the, the beginning part. I want to go right to 2011. Okay. 2011. Um, at that time. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask. I mean, you're, you're representing four of the last five major champions. You're on top of the world. What is it like? A blur. Yeah. You know, you, you sort of, it sounds arrogant, but you sort of turn up every week thinking who's going to win. You know, and, and, and you sort of, you almost con yourself that it's a Midas touch and you've got something to do with it. And in fact, I had nothing to do with it. I had, there were just a lot of, there were four or five good players that I managed to recruit early in their careers. And um, they all came right at the same time, at different ages even. Yeah. I mean, the story about Darren winning was unbelievable because on the Wednesday of St. George's Open, Darren played a practice round with Rory, Charles and Louis. So he was playing with the guys that have won three of the last four majors. And mm -hmm. he was slow off the 14th tee, and they, they, they were chirping away. And they turn around and say, come on, you can join us just because you haven't won a major. I mean, scary. Yeah. And then and he goes and wins. Clark was an amateur when you started representing him, wasn't he? He was turning pro. He was absolutely on the cusp. Of, uh, my meeting with him was to try and help him decide whether he should turn pro or wait. And it was a pretty easy conversation because I just said, well, you know, if you wait a year, in a year's time, you'll be a better player if you're a pro than you are as an amateur. And I went to the... Because it, it was a difficult decision because the Walker Cup was at Port Marnock and obviously he's Irish. So he... Um, he, you know, he part he wanted to play. If it had been Northern Ireland, I wouldn't. It wouldn't have turned pro, but it was Southern Ireland, so it wasn't the pull wasn't quite the same. And the guy that introduced us was a an Irish lawyer that was an international golfer called Dougie Heather, and went to meet Darren at Dougie's office. And 
I'm telling Darren that, you know, contracts won't be any different, invites won't be any different. But if you turn pro, you'll definitely be a better player in a year's time. And he got his card, did it well. He shot 32 the backside to get about 38th card. And we went to that Walker Cup match a year later in the September of 1991. So Mickelson was playing and Owen O'Connell and um, Paul McGinley, mm-hmm. Andrew Coltart. And um, as Darren and I would be, we'd six pints of Guinness in on Friday lunchtime. Yeah. And we're watching the golf with this pal of ours and one of the guys tops it. And he just looked at me and, he took me, and Darren said to me, he said, Chubb, you're right. They look like a bunch of fucking amateurs. <laughs> and, and, and it was, you know, that's the sort of thing that you don't need a great memory to remember that. Do you? That's, that's one of those things. And I've told that story that often, that my accent's getting better. And uh, it, it went from there. But yeah, he turned pro about a week after we met. You're representing all those guys. Does that mean they hang out together and stuff? Um, a little bit. We used to, we, we, we had sort of, at majors, we always had a, a, a host house for all the players because it was too difficult to get restaurant reservations and whatever. And it sort of kept everybody together a bit. So they all got on. And it, it made it fun, you know. I mean, obviously, Louis and Charles were great mates anyway. Darren and Rory were great mates because I met Rory because of Darren because Darren had a foundation weekend and there was this little 13-year-old cocky kid that, that you knew was different. Yeah. And, and, you know, th- th- he was the only one talking. You had 18 juniors and he was the only one talking. So, you know, they, they were all connected. So what was Rory like as a 13-year-old when you met him? Precocious. Mm-hmm. Precocious. And... Very good, but small. Yeah. You know, he was tiny. And and he was interesting. I mean, he, he's had a point of view all his life. You know what I mean? All the stuff you see now hasn't changed an awful lot because he always had a point of view. Yeah. And he always, and he had no qualms about apologizing. You know, if he got something wrong, he's got held his hands up. Yeah, got that wrong. And um, he... I mean, two things about Rory. Rory at the Carnoustie Open that uh, Harrington won. Is that 07? Yeah, 07. Yeah, 07. So he's exempt for it because he's European amateur champion. We decided 18 months ago that we we were going to manage him. Mm-hmm. You know, that took the pressure off Dad because Dad was getting unbelievable stress from 90 colleges ringing him up, 10 management companies. So yep. the easiest thing was for him to say, Chubby's going to manage him, he's going to go with ISM, blah, blah, blah. And on the decking, have you been to Carnoustie? No. Out the front of Carnoustie is a massive decking in front of the hotel. There's no real clubhouse, it's the hotel. And we were sitting on this decking, and we were going through when he was going to turn pro, what deals we got lined up. Because he was easy, because... He had such a reputation, you know, I just had to go and get enough money. Yeah. But, but to actually sell him, everybody knew him. And um, he turned around to me and he said, Chubb, I want to buy a house. You haven't turned pro. You haven't got any earnings. It's all. <laughs> and, and he bought 
600,000 euro house before he turned pro because I got these contracts lined up. You ring the bank manager, everybody knew him. So, you know, they know he's not bullshitting. And yet, two months later, he got this beautiful house. And in the end, it had a practice ground and a couple of chipping greens and everything. I mean, it was unbelievable. And he was always, he was always like that and always uh, confident in his own ability and wanted to get it all done as quick as he could. And so once he turned, like, you know, in his early 20s and he really started winning. And T- turned he, 18. 18, yeah. Was he, did he like to, you know, did he go out a lot? Was he a social person? Yeah, or was he, he more- yeah, he was, yeah, he was reasonably social. He was Irish, didn't he? You're not, you're not going to take the Irish out of an Irishman. Yeah. You know, they're all the same. So, you know, he, he had an eye for a lady and he didn't drink too much, but he, he went out, you know? Yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't a big drinker. If, if he had a few drinks, he got pissed. Yeah. Who Who are the Who are the biggest drinkers that you used to go out with and and tear it up with? I don't need to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to say. He told he, for for forty years. He's told everybody he drinks lots of Guinness. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So when, what year did did you stop representing him? Two thousand eleven. Rory. Yeah. Two. Th- no, 2007, even 2006, before he turned pro. And then, so what he said when he when he left um, ISM, he said he was concerned that you, quote-unquote, led him down the wrong path with not playing enough on the PGA Tour. What's your side of kind of what happened with, during that? Well, um, he was, like I say, he, he was in a hurry to get everywhere. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I thought that if you remember, the world rankings and the European Tour went through a spell where they were almost stronger than America. Yes. The tournaments were nearly as big and they were stronger and they were definitely, definitely, definitely easier to win world ranking points in Europe. And Westwood was number one. It wasn't until three years ago, till the yeah. Americans changed it all, till Mr. Monaghan made another unbelievable move. Um, yes. and and I mean now they're, they're so weighted the wrong way again now oh you it's know, crazy so hard for the Europeans to get up the world rankings and and my my idea was that he would get up the world rankings easier there because at the end of the day if you got in the top 50 in the world it was a passport to everything you didn't need a PJ Tour card because if you got in the top 50 you could get one if you yep. could play it all you played in all those world championship events and blah, 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 you, you'd, get your, you'd get your card and that was my idea. I think his idea, in hindsight, he never said, but I think he thought I should get him invites every week in America and he'd get his card that way. And it, that wasn't the way to do it at all. I mean, right. you know, not, none of the guys that I represented went to the tour school in the States. They all got a card by going the roundabout way. Yeah, and that way is e- easier, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was much easier. But we, we, uh, we didn't... We didn't have many fallouts at all, you know. He he was too young and naive almost to fall out. I mean, I remember having a conversation, probably two thousand and eight, at Glen Eagles, and we were sat on a bench on by the King's Course, and we were going through it. And I brought up the Ryder Cup. He said, "No, no, I don't. I'm not bothered about the Ryder Cup." He said, "That's just an exhibition match." He said, "I'm I'm 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 here to win majors. That's just an, it won't make any difference." I said, "No, no, it will." 
I said, you know, I've seen, I've been on the tee when very big players, their pants are shaking because they're so nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's one of the abiding memories of the Ryder Cup. If you go on the first tee, they are absolutely shaking like a leaf. Yeah. And, and you know, I was trying to get through to him what it was like. Now look at him. Now look yeah. at him. He's like the Pied Piper now for the European Ryder Cup team. So, he, he, like I say, he, he didn't have any qualms about getting something wrong and then apologising and moving on. And I think, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with my kids trying to um, get them not to fear failure. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not golfers or anything. That's just in life. Right. But, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a coincidence that most billionaires have been bust a couple of times. Yeah. Because they've had to they've had to figure it out, you know, and and I, I'm always on at my kids, and and he he was definitely like that. He wasn't worried about how wrong how wrong how often he got it wrong. He was going to get there. Yeah. Do, would you have done anything differently with with Rory? Yeah, kept him for another fifteen years. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the so strange we- thing was when he left. He didn't really say why, you know. He said, I just want to go in a different direction, which was obviously he wanted to make his own decisions. We should have said that. I'd have let him, you know, he yeah. carried on. But the funny thing was, I thought it was he was paying too much. And when we were got, it was October when he left, and we were going to get to the end of the year, that year. And I was going to say, right, you're paying too much. We'll take a lower percentage on appearance fees, a lower percentage on this, and won't do that. And I thought, you know, damn it, I didn't get there soon enough. You know, how yeah. stupid. I'd thought of it, but just didn't get there soon. But he paid the new guy exactly the same. Right, and and, and he had it a falling out with them. It wasn't anything to do. And he, he ended up in that lawsuit, if you remember, over his night. Yep, documentary. Horizon, right? Yeah, Connor yep. Ridge. And Connor Ridge has been smoking cigars for the last 10 years. Right, because he got all those the big deals that, he, that Rory yeah. got. Well, it, yeah, I think. I think it was, I can't remember, it was, it was in the paper, 15 million or 18 million. And what, why Rory what, Why Rory thought he didn't have to pay, no idea. Yeah, and he mentioned too about the players, that 2010 players. Do you remember a conversation about him wanting to play that? Yeah, but that was a, that was a decision he agreed to too. Because Lee, mm. Lee and Rory didn't play it. And I can't remember why. There was a good reason why. It was something to do with... It was something to do with the number of tournaments they could play. Yep. And they could play, I think they could play 10 without a card. And that, that didn't work out. So my warped feeling was that they'd be better playing something else than the players. And the players then wasn't as big as it is now. And in hindsight, obviously, it was a crazy idea. But, yeah. but they, they both didn't play it. And the PJ Tour, being like the PJ Tour is, changed the rule and let said they could play and make it 11. Right. To do that when it suits them, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, and look what they're doing now. They're just letting them go right through from the very beginning. And I mean, and that's one thing that the changes that we saw from Liv and all these other new quote unquote threats that they're receiving. Now they're actually making the right decisions and pushing their young talent along quicker. Yeah. Gordon Sargent, that's an amazing thing they've done there, isn't it? Yeah. uh, There you go. You're on the tour. Because he hasn't, but he hasn't, done any good in any tour events. No. I, I get it if he'd had two or three finishes or something. But he hasn't done anything. Excuse me, I'm having a cup of tea. Yeah, no, it's because they're scared that 
he's gonna live's gonna offer him all this money and he's gonna go there absolutely like chakara did and pooch yeah. did and, um, and and the other thing too now they've got to be frightened because they can take the money and then it's gonna two years time it's going to be back to normal again yeah i mean you know one of the questions i was gonna ask you was ram must know a few things doesn't he? he must somebody must have painted the future a bit and i think he's he's too keen on his legacy and majors and whatever to just throw it all away yeah so my guess is that he's he's pretty clued in to what's going to happen well i think a big part of that is he is one of those dominoes like if he moves then they're going to have to start adjusting things because he's too big of a piece to lose so he is going to you know start the change that he wants to see because now that the european the rider cup points with rom's gone you got to give it to him you have to the world ranking points you have to you can't have two separate and say nope they're not getting points they're not getting this they're not getting that when you have a star of rom's magnitude over there now he's just too big of a piece on the chessboard yeah and my guess is that Cantley and Shuffle are probably following, won't they? Yeah, last I heard was Cantley overvalued himself and was asking for too much money. And they said, was we're that not going to get hat? Yeah, that must have been for the hat. And what, <laughs> what did you make of that whole thing with the, with the hat? Um, well, it probably played into Europe's hands a bit, but Europe were always going to win the Ryder Cup anyway. I mean, I agree. And I, I, I probably formed this opinion from reading your stuff. Because mm-hmm. I, I probably just needed somebody to sort of make me think about it. Because I did a thing for a betting company on the Thursday and Friday, the Ryder Cup. And we played golf on the Thursday afternoon. Then we had dinner. And then I did a QA. and a And they were all gamblers because it was a betting company. Yeah. And I just said, right. I said, Europe are going to win. Europe are going to win the first day. Europe are going to win the first session. And Europe will definitely win the first match. Yep. And I had all these punters betting 20 grand and 30 grand, all coming up to me on Friday lunch. And I said, you're unbelievable. You got it all right, don't you? But all that plus money, too. You couldn't you couldn't walk into that and not having played a tournament for five weeks. That was just crazy. No. And they had I, I, yeah, I was saying it for, for two years. I remember the day after the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits ended, I bet on Europe the next day at plus 200 well i would have had my house on america and i wouldn't have had a house and the reason i the reason i thought it was because the market is never going to be as high on the american side as it is the day after whistling straights because of how dominant they looked how good they looked yeah i knew over the next couple of years even if it closed at plus 130 plus 140 it was going to go in that direction because you're the young up and covers like hovland and ram was getting better and I, i always thought ram was the best player in the world and i still think he is um and and then there's there's just no way it goes the other way. How could you ever think U.S. is better than the day after Whistling Straits where they were so dominant? And then by the by the time, like you said, like it started at, at two years ago, I was just hoping and guessing. But when it actually started, I was almost 100 percent sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And um, it was I don't know whether that was arrogance or the way the schedule worked or what it was, but it was it was crazy not to play before it. it. It is arrogance because you had all 12 players on the European team playing Wentworth. And then the U.S. guys were doing God knows what. And uh, it's it's unbelievable. And you see it with majors. Like, how come these guys will – they'll never take five weeks off before a major. No, that's, that was exactly my point. So I, they can't care that exactly, much. 
maybe I proved that off you. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't they they can't care that much if that's if that's the the way they're they're heading into it and no. Um, and the but, hat thing, the hat thing, I think with Cantley, it's one of those things. It's always been a bit of rumbling in American the American team about being paid to play. I think Duval had a bit of a a, a grumble about it mm-hmm. twenty years before, and and I, I get it. You know, they're, they're playing for the PGA of America, not for their tour. The right. Europeans know that the European tour depends on the Ryder Cup, and they're yep. playing for they're not playing for Europe. They're playing for the European tour. Whereas the Americans are playing for America and the PGA of America. So it's not the tour. And, and I think that's where the disconnect happens with, with the Americans. And I would think that Cantley didn't wear a hat because he wasn't getting paid. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it seems like it. And people got really mad at Jamie Weir, who, again, you say what, you can say what you want about him, but maybe he was right in that. The, the only thing that I think was wrong about the story, I don't think the other Americans in the room cared that he wasn't wearing a hat t- as a protest. No. And he said it was fractured. I don't think it was fractured. No. But the American team and the American, if you, somebody said it's like an old boys club. Mm-hmm. And you look at the players that played in Tigers event last week, and it's like an old boys club. Yeah. You know what I mean? Speak, Thomas, they're all there. And, and it's, it's, it's too clicky, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they said Tiger finished 18th out of 20 players, and he raised rose 300 spots in the world golf rankings. Oh, don't get, don't get me on that. How do, they, how do they get world ranking points? And live down to, you know, and Europe gets none and whatever. I mean, that's just crazy. And so speaking of that, you have always been a big supporter of the European tour, playing, managing, all that stuff. You've always been for the European tour. And I know the answer to it, but how badly did they mess this whole situation up with, I mean, they're, now they're giving their 10 best players to the PGA tour. It's, they, they've become a feeder system to the PGA tour. Yeah. I mean, did they, I, is your stance, they had no choice. They're, they're going to go bankrupt or is it, yeah. it was a bad decision. Yeah. And in hindsight, and I believe that Keith Pelley would have gone with the Saudis, mm-hmm. but his board, his chairman and his board directed him not to. Okay. And I think if they, two years ago, had gone with the Saudis, you'd have had two tours that were very strong. The European tour would suddenly have been much stronger. Yep. Maybe not as strong as the PJ Tour. But the the way the PJ Tour magic took $170 million last year probably sort of vindicates what Mickelson had been saying. And, right. And I think, you know, sort of, if you think about and, and to be to be fair, to actually weave the live events into a tour wouldn't have been that difficult. You know what I mean? They, 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 they would have been able to make seven or eight really good tournaments beside the live tournaments. The live tournaments carry on. When there's a live event on, there's a $3 million European tour event. Money was never going to be a problem, was it? Right. And, and it, it, it should have been worked out. And, and, and he, you know, he was, he was pushed away from it. But the, the one thing that always um, troubled me, and I remember St. George's when Marikawa won, I ended up 
Keith Pelly likes a glass of wine now and again at the end of his working day. Mm-hmm. So he'd text because I'm quite pally with him, he texts me and he'd say, what are you doing and why don't we have a glass of wine? So at about 9.30, and he said, I've finished. He was dining with RNA or you know, Nigel Starmus. And uh, he was, um, he, he texted me, he said, come down. So I went down and we were outside the belly of Sandwich and we were on some benches and he was with Sam McNaughton. And Sam and him were having this argument about the Saudis that live. And I've come in when they've probably had a few vodkas. Mm-hmm. So it was getting quite lively. And I remember Sam just kept slamming the table saying, take the effing meeting. And he must have said it ten times. And he was just saying, you know, why don't Jay, there's a, there's a sponsor here, sponsor, $2 billion to spend. How can you not talk to him? And it, that was criminal. Yep. Absolutely criminal. And how he's in a job, I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know how he can actually now recommend anything to a player and expect the player to believe what he's telling him. Do you think if Keith knew that Jay would eventually do this, he would have done it first? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just a shame that people push Keith away from doing it because it, it might have been a very interesting golf landscape. Yeah. It would have, it would have been a great, I, I tweeted this. I just found it in uh, September of 2022. I said, instead of agreeing to be the feeder system for the PGA tour, why wouldn't the DP world tour allow live guys in, make a deal with the PIF and they get DJ cam Neiman Bryson playing yeah. in their events. They get their world ranking points and it lets them keep their Ryder cup guys in the fold. And also, it makes their events more watchable, more money. In the, it, it just seemed like such a no-brainer. And that could well, make them – that would be a good competition. And that would be healthy ecosystem for golf, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think if you could have had a European tour that was nearly as strong as the, uh, as the PJ tour, then you wouldn't have had this clamor to get from the European tour to the PJ tour because young kids would have been quite happy trying to beat the people that were already there. But right. It, you know, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? And, and at the end of the day, what's happened? Probably what's happened now is actually um, Yaz is actually exactly where he wants to be. Yeah. Oh, he is. is I mean, he's absolutely where he wants to be. And and I think people are going to say, well, if you're going to merge in two years anyway, what's the point of paying $500 million for Rom? And the, the reason they're doing that is because now once you get him, now you have so much leverage in the negotiations. When you come to the table and talk to Jay, which is, I think it's happening on Friday, you say, I have, I have your guy. Let's make the deal happen, or I'm going to get the next one. It is happening. This, yeah, it is, because I've been talking to uh, Majid today, yep. and, and he said, oh, I'm going to America on the 9th. And he made it very pointedly, so that's obviously why he's going, isn't it? Yeah. Because he, he's a real case. Yes. He, he, he's a real case. He, he played it quite interestingly because he's, he's like, he's like Yazzie's uh, court jester almost. Yep. But, but got, got the confidence of all the players. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, and from what I'm hearing, it might be, an, uh, I think it's going to be announced Friday night, but we'll see. What is? Rom. Oh, is it? Right. I don't know for sure, but that's, that's just what I've heard. And that, um, it would line up with the promotions event that they're having. All right. It's, so that's going to kick up. He's, um, 
it, it must be happening, mustn't it? Because he's denied it if he hasn't. Exactly. The last he's time he denied not, it right away. Yeah, he's just not designed it. No. And do you think? I mean, he was always a candidate to go. Because of his relationship with the the Spaniards yeah. and everything going on, yeah, and, and and they've got a Spanish event and and they give him. I think I think if if there's one place to live, have got it wrong. They haven't pushed the team event enough early enough, mm-hmm. and I know they couldn't, but it, it, it was very individual that first year. Yeah, and to make the team more relative, relevant, um, if they'd have had the captain. Big number, top player, another big number, Champions Tour player, lady. Yep. Then it would have looked like a team event. Right. And I think they missed a trick because they're trying to push the ladies. But if you push the ladies with the men, it would have been better. Yeah. So do you find these, do you, do you watch live? Do you find it watchable? Oh, yeah, I watch it. Do you We're like it? My, my club's having one next year. And, and that's replacing Centurion? Yeah, my play, my golf club is called the JCB Golf and Country JCB, club, yep. Which is the diggers, right? Yep. And I've started talking to Liv at the opening of St. Andrews, so 18 months ago nearly. And JCB were lukewarm because it's a very, very English company and very proper, you know, the... It's owned by two people called Bamford, Lord Bamford and his brother Mark. Lord Bamford's very correct and, you know, sort of supports the government and whatever. So I wasn't sure how he was going to react to doing business with Saudi Arabia, except they're going to do about $10 billion worth of business in Saudi Arabia because they're building this neon city and 50 golf courses. And they're yeah. going to have to shift an awful lot of sand. And that's exactly what JCB do. So it's an absolutely great connection yeah and we'll, we'll have we'll have probably the second or third best field in europe next year behind the open and wentworth absolutely i mean with rom i mean it might even be as good as wentworth it might be it oh might yeah be. uh and the fields are getting stronger it's gonna be hard to ignore but what do you make like people say they can't watch it because the music and it seems gimmicky does that does it seem gimmicky to you no, because you've got to accept it's different. It's not that for 15 years, golf stagnated, didn't it? I mean, I, I, I was saying for 15 years, something's got to give, something's got to change. Because mm. everywhere in the world was dishing up a 72-hole golf event with four rounds on four days with a cup. Everything the same at one level or another. It doesn't matter whether it's in Asia, in Australia, Europe or America. It was the same. And... And I was saying, they've got somebody's got to do something different. And they, they came on and did that different. The only difference was that they had a couple of billion dollars to, to push it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it, it was needed. So I watched it. I, I went to both events at Centurion. And they do some really neat things. You know, the, the, you're used to it, right? You're used to the, the American Loud announcer. Mm-hmm. that whips the crowd up for half an hour before tee-off and whatever. Europeans aren't used to that. And you've got this guy, I don't know what his name was, but they have this guy doing it every week there. But he was like he was like the, he was like the MC in a boxing ring. You know, and, and in five minutes' time on the tee, we're going to have... And, and it was 
different and you've just got to accept it's different and the 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 whole vibe of the place is different because what i couldn't understand which is quite neat the whole crowd gets there an hour and a half before the first tee off yeah they all have a drink and they go and have a play on the simulators and all this stuff and then the bell goes golf everywhere they all go and see it and then they all finish together and it's yeah. it's I, I think nothing it had to be different I don't know what happened to the TV stuff. I think they've just stalled until they get a deal big enough because they can. Because PGA Tour doesn't let them. Yeah, I, I just don't think. I, I just don't think that there's anything out there that's worth doing. It's the same as the teams, isn't it? They're going to build the value of the teams up and sell the teams when they're worth something. Not now. Every, yeah, everyone's using that as a criticism that they haven't sold the teams. Why would they sell it when they're at their lowest value? Yeah, well, we have. You you know a game called cricket, and you probably don't understand yep. a game called cricket. Correct. But I, I love cricket. And the Indians, who are the money brokers in, in cricket, started a thing called the Indian Premier League. Mm-hmm. Live Golf is a cross between the Indian Premier League and F1. And it's somewhere in between. And yep. they take ideas off both. So the, the, the Indian Premier League, the, the teams are worth billions. The TV deal's worth billions. The players get paid way more than they would do anywhere else. You know, yeah. they get paid like one and a half million dollars to good players for six weeks. That's unheard of in cricket. Wow. So, you know, the, I, I see what they've, what they've based it on. And I think that's exactly what they're going to end up doing. And I the only trouble is I don't, I'm not close to, enough to it anymore to know how big TGL was going to be and how they sold the because you know they looked like they sold a few of those teams but yeah. whether they sold them for real money or not I don't know I don't think so you know I'm sure Serena Serena Williams doesn't pay for a bit of the team no do you think and I don't know if you've talked to live players or not but do you think they're truly happy and feel rewarded on live right now or do you feel like they they wish they didn't go some of them I don't think there's many that wish they didn't go. I think they you can tell. Yeah. You, you can tell, you know, you, you, people are happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You go to a, the majors are the majors and everybody needs to be like that. Yeah. But you know, you go to the Arnold Palmer event, Bay Hill, they're still not happy. Whereas it, the live thing, everybody's, everybody's mates with everybody. The caddies are all happy. The players are all happy. And, I, you know, do they want to play 26 weeks a year? I don't think they do. Do you think they're too happy in that? This is the other criticism. Now they're fat and happy. They've gotten all this money. They're, you know, they're probably drinking more, all this other stuff, like Cam put 10, 15 pounds. Do you think they're too content and too complacent and not working as hard as they used to? I would think there's probably a bit of that, but they're, they're still winning. Yeah, they are. You know, Burmester won in South Africa, Neiman won in Australia, you know, Kepka won a major. You know, they're not they're not so bad. No. No. They, you know, they had a few guys up there in the Masters, they had a few guys up there in the US Open. Yep. Yeah, they did. Um so so yeah, it's interesting. Um and then and you were you said you were at Centurion and Charles won that event. He won the first one, yeah. Do you still and the keep- South Africans for 
for the first six weeks won so many dollars they could retire on the run they got from it. Yeah, the Stingers they won yeah twenty million or something combined between them. Yeah, well, uh, that, that and that was almost my thing with the South Africans that they once they won the major and they won a, a bit they they won so many rounds that yeah that they became soft you know they, it was too easy for them. What would you say to the people who say that money can't buy happiness and they're sacrificing their legacy? Uh, I think the bank manager's not too worried about their legacy. And, yeah. and, and some of the guys, um, they, they made generational money, didn't they? You know, I mm-hmm. mean, Taylor Gucci's family are not going to have to worry for a few years, is it? Yeah. You know, his, his kids are going to be all right. Right. And I think, you know, sort of, you can talk about legacies, you can talk about majors, and, and to be a Nicholas or a Woods and want to win multiple majors, you've got to be a different sort of person. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were happy with one major. Yep. And, and, and a lot of people found it harder to win the second one almost than the first one. Yes. And, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, who are we to criticize somebody to try and make money for their family? I mean, the guys that just accepted that they were doing it for the money and, you know, Harold Varner's not got any criticism whatsoever. No. Nope. He said, I'm doing it for the money. This will make a difference in my life. Blah, blah, blah. You can't argue with that. Nope. That's absolutely fine. And if he doesn't practice as hard and spends a bit more time with his family, that's his, that's his business. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of majors, Rory won four before he was 25. He hasn't won one in over approaching a decade. Why? I think he finds it difficult to win full stop. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's. I don't think he finds winning easy. I think when he wins, he outgolfs the field by a yeah. long way. And I don't think even as an amateur, he found dif- winning difficult. If you have a look at his record as amateur, he didn't win that much. He played good a lot, but he didn't win that much. And I just think he found it difficult to win. And then I think the Masters, when he didn't win and Charles did, I think that probably left the scar that people think it left. Mm-hmm. And and his game's changed too, hasn't it? I mean, he looks awkward trying trying to hold it up. I think. Yep. You know when he when he when he when he just hit that big free high draw. He looked unstoppable. Yeah. But then people got in his head, and now when 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 he tries to hold one off, it doesn't look an actual move at all, does it? And and he's never been the best wedge player. No. And that's what it seems like his problem is now. He's he has a hundred yards in every hole, and you can't put it within twenty most of the time. Yeah. I mean, I think he's just a great player, and I think him in full flow is amazing because he plays freely, doesn't he? He's got wonderful freedom about his game. And I think until Aber came along, Rory was easily the best player I'd ever seen turning pro. But I think Aber may be as good as Rory was when he turned pro. I mean, I, I, I'm not an unbelievable technician with the golf swing, but I don't see an awful lot in anything he does. And he's a good-looking bugger as well. So, I mean, he's got everything. Yeah, he, he reminds me of Rory. I mean on the course, right? Just the, the driver. It's just, it's just a complete weapon. It's long and straight. And especially today's game. I mean, that's what 
You know, there were people who didn't want him on the Ryder Cup team. I yeah, think. but it's going to go 15 yards less in five years' time. Yeah, do you think that's five a good thing? Or? I can't believe that's 2028. I thought it was happening next year. It's five years from now? I didn't even see that it's, today. It's 2028. I've, I've been doing my research for you because I knew you didn't know all this shit. So I, like, <laughs> I better know what's going on. It's 2028. So, so I will be carrying it by then about 120. <laughs> do you still play a lot? I play a bit now because I've, I've retired. I play at JCB and it's far, far too difficult for me, but I love it. Yeah. I, played, I played there three weeks ago and the greens were as pure as anywhere you could ever play and there were about 11 on the stint. Now, that doesn't happen in my country. That's, that happens sometimes in the summer, but it certainly doesn't happen in November. Mm-hmm. And because it's such great condition and such a great experience, I drive 50 minutes to go and play every time I play, but Love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see it uh, next year, uh, you know, in a few months, whenever it is. Um, I'm going to ask you this. Come, come over. It's next to the opener, isn't it? It's the opener and then that. Yeah. I, I want to. It, it'll be a two good weeks. Where's yeah. the opener? Troon. Not great. Yeah. What do, what do you think of Troon? I, that was a Stenson-Mickelson shootout. Yeah. So, so that was... Darren should have won there in 1997 and shanked it off the second tee in the last round with three iron onto the beach. I remember what? it well. And, Who and won I that used one? to, when I was a, um, Jeff, Justin Lennon. Yeah. When I was a kid, when before I turned pro, I uh, my hero, absolute hero, was Tom Weisscott. And I was second reserve for Troon in 1973. So I was up there and I had to stay and whatever. And I saw him hit all 273 shots, live. Wow. Walked around every every hole. That's I'll amazing. never forget it because he walked down the last. You got those big bleachers down the side, and he just put his thumb up to one, and then he put his thumb up to the other. And it, it was the most wonderful acknowledgement of, of what was going on. Yeah, no one seems to love Troon. If if you could pick any three. Uh, courses to be on the rotation, what three would you pick for the Open? Turnberry, Turnberry, Turnberry. <laughs> and uh, it's a shame that Turnberry's gone, too. That's what it's, Yeah, it is. Terrible. Will it ever Terrible. come back? Such a wonderful golf course. What he's done to that course is unbelievable. I bought it, you know. No, I didn't know that. I bought it because I, I got to know him a bit in Florida 2015. And We'd arranged the game with Westwood, myself, um, and Owen O'Connell, I think, and we were playing with Donald. And I walked into the breakfast room at West Palm Beach there, and he says, Chubby! And I'd never met him. I'm thinking, why is he shouting at me? Chubby, I want you to be my agent. What's he talking about, you know? Anyway, we played, and uh, which was quite an interesting exercise. And he said, I want to buy a term, is it any good? Yeah, it's very good. Right, well, I can't go and buy it because they'll jack the price up and it'd be difficult. Cause it'd be, will you front it for me? Yeah. So I got busy and I uh, made a few phone calls. And actually, it was owned then by a company called Leisure Corps. And I knew a guy that was just about the boss, I think, of Leisure Corps, a guy called David Spencer. And they put it up for sale and I got the realtors from him and went through that. And, uh, and I got it quite a long way down the line. And then somebody wanted proof of funds. And it was going to be 
I don't know, 60, 70 million. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to prove I got 80 million, which I didn't know. <laughs> and, and so I rung him and I said, Donald, I've got a problem. He said, what's that, Chubby? I said, they want me to prove I've got $80 million and I just don't have it right now. And he said, Chubby, this is where I come in. <laughs> uh, and he sent me a statement of account to send to him. And, and it was, I mean, it was staggering. And, and he took over from there. So but you bought it? I, I, I got it halfway down the road. Yeah. And then he took over. So that you got, you got him the price he wanted. He got the price he wanted. I got him a bit more than the price he wanted. But he, he said to me, I said, how are you going to get around them? They've got the people, star, star what are they called? Star, not Starbucks. Starwood, yeah, yeah. Starwood Hotels, they they had the um, in perpetuity contract to manage the hotel, and said, "Hey, you're going to get that litigation, chubby litigation." I love it. <laughs> and did so you played with them? Do you play with them there? I played with. Them. No, I've never played with them. In, oh, I played with them in West Palm Beach three times. And did he? Um... Is he the people say he's a cheater and all this other stuff? Did you yeah, ever see that? Yeah, yeah. We got on the first tee and he said, Chubby, I just want you to know I cheat in business, I cheat on the golf course, and I cheat on women. <laughs> Which I'm sure is a line that he's given to a lot of people, but it was it was funny. And I tell you, he, he cheated on the second, he moved the ball, but in front of me. Mm-hmm. So it's not even surreptitious cheating, it's there. Yeah. And then about three hours later, I had a bad lie in a bunker, and he moved my ball out this bad lie. He said, you shouldn't have to play that. And I started <laughs> to think, well, may- maybe it's just a-, a disregard for the rules rather than cheating. You know, He just wants everybody to have a good day. Yeah. And I won. And we won $20. $20? I said, I said, how do you know when you've won? He said, what do you mean? Well, I've not been paid yet. Oh, I don't pay anybody. I said, I won't pay. And I won me $20. And he gave me $20. He did? Yeah. That's all he plays for is $20? Played for $20. It was really? great. I, he's, he's a funny man. He's I very believe gen- it. Very generous. Very generous. I had a lift on his plane from Aberdeen to New York. Wow. I was, I was, I was going over to Pine Valley. And he says, come up to Aberdeen and meet me there. And I'll, we'll go across. And he... He had 41 first-class seats and two bedrooms on it. And he had about 18 of his work people on the plane. Wow. And he says, he comes over to me, he says, do you like, do you like Elton John? I said, yeah, he's all right. Man. Good. We had Elton John on for seven hours. Holy like shit. Banging out. <laughs> he only drinks Coke. Nothing Does else. He, doesn't drink Just beer. Coke. Just Coke. Did you guys drink around him? Yeah. And he doesn't. He doesn't. Doesn't bother him or anything. Just drink coke. Yeah. And apparently he's only ever drunk coke. You know what I mean? I don't think he had a problem. He just drinks coke. And he well, I've is, heard I mean, him. The day, you know, when you have all that sugar, you get a bit wired. Well, he's wired all the time. Isn't he? Yeah, I've I've heard him say because his I think his older brother was an alcoholic or something, and he lost. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. Who Who else have you played with? Any famous people? I had a, I had a very good day. There's a. You don't like soccer, you already told me. Yeah. But there's a soccer coach in Europe and Britain called Pep Guardiola, who is the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And he came to the Masters with us in 
2013, I think. Um, and he was between jobs, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. And he, uh, his agent rung and said, 10 days before the Masters, he said, could you, could you facilitate Mr. Guardiola and his son for the Masters? Oh, yeah, of course we can. Because we, we used to have this big facility and we used to have like 90 people eating every night. Family, guests, players, everything. So, you know, to have Pep there was a big deal. So we looked after him and uh, he was just great with everybody. Absolutely great. And he lived in New York then and I was dating a girl in New York. And I said, hey, in New York next week, yeah, do you want to play? Because I'm a member of Liberty National, mm-hmm. bizarrely. And we went and played Liberty National and he, you know, we were talking in the car going and, and he's... He's telling me how it was great for him there because nobody knows him and he can just get... And he says, you know, I used to think the girls like me, he said, but I know now they used to like the badge, not me. Yeah. And, and, I mean, he's a handsome boy. And uh, we get to the golf course and the assistant on the range actually knew who he was, which was quite a surprise. He comes over to me and says, is that a soccer coach? Yeah. And we go out and there's just two of us on a cart with a caddy. And we, I'm, trying, I'm making conversation about his new job and this, that, and the other. And we get into the specifics of soccer a bit. And I said, you know, who would you sign? If you could sign one player to go to Bayern Munich, who would you have? And the guy called Iniesta. Mm-hmm. And then he started going on about why he would sign him. And then he started telling me that he didn't understand it in Britain what, because they play the good players down the edge of the pitch and the edge of the pitch acts as a defender. So that good player can only go one way. He can only come inside. He can't go outside. He said, I don't understand that. He said, you know, I play in the He goes down the middle. And then next thing, we've got head covers and towels all over the fairway. And he's showing me the tactics on the eighth fairway <laughs> at, at Liberty National. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. This guy is the best there is. And he's showing me that now actually knows nothing about it. What would happen if he did this and what he did that? It was great. And we got around to the short old 14. And he had to have the photograph with the with the uh, the backdrop, Statue of Liberty behind us. I mean, amazing, great. Yeah, yeah. but oh, you know, we're, awesome. lo- we're lucky in golf because so many good people play golf that mm-hmm. you play with everybody. I played the Dunhill for eighteen years running. So I played with everybody there. Yeah, there was none as funny as Donald. No, I believe no. it. No, I believe no. it. Bryson played with him last week. Yeah, he plays with everybody, and he loves it. He absolutely loves it. And he'll tell you that the greens are the best and the course is the best and the food's the best in the clubhouse. And, you know, he got in and I said, he said, what are you having? I said, I'm having a cheeseburger. I've heard they're the best in the world. He said, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Everything is there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, that's really interesting. Um do you think Turnberry will ever go back on the Roto? I hope so, because it is what he's done is absolutely what he's basically what he's done is moved the golf course a hundred yards near the water. So you've got all these dynamic cliffs that were never in play. And now they're right in play. There's a short old right old room and par five around them. And, I mean just sensation. And the yep. hotel's hotel's good as well. You know, I mean it'd be a real shame if they if they couldn't see themselves to do it just because of his reputation. Right. And 
So back to some people you've represented. Fitz, you you represented for a while. Matt Fitzpatrick, right? Fitz, yeah, three years. Three years. Two. And, nearly, nearly three. Just under. So did you? Were you surprised or or not surprised at all when he won the U.S. Open? Um, a little bit, but he he's. I saw him win the U.S. Amateur. I was there, mm-hmm. so you know that was a pretty big deal for little. I mean, for little. He's yeah. still fairly little, but he was really little then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a pretty big deal to win that. And you could never question his work ethic and his bottle. And, and you know, the, you know what the US Open was like. If if you're tenacious and you've got some nerve and whatever, you can win. And, I mean, the shot he played on the last was just shot so of good. the year. The century. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one just, of the... just amazing. When you, you know, when you, when you know golf like we do, you know that an eight iron out of a fairway trap with a lip and, and having to, you had to cut it because of the lip, didn't you? Yeah. You had to, you had to actually send it around it. It's just an amazing shot to hit under pressure. Well, we saw um, not, it probably was a little bit tougher, but the shot that Hovland and um, someone else had on the, at the, at the uh, PJ championship when Brooks won and they hit it right into the, right into the face a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, under pressure that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. He's a. He, I mean, he max the, the way he's made himself twenty yards long was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done so many uh, training exercises to quicken his hands up. He, he, he actually now looks a decent player. I mean, I say that with great respect because he's obviously a decent player, but he didn't look much of a player when you know when he won the US Open. He, he looks a better player now because he's much stronger. Yeah, yeah. So. Here's my scenario I like to give to say the best who the best players in the world are, because people ask so many questions like, you know, what course and, you know, so forget form, forget all that stuff. This is the scenario that I'm going to give you. The aliens come down from outer space. And they challenge the humans to a five on five match. You don't know the format. You don't know what course it's going to be at. You only have to pick five golfers. Who are you picking? That's the bizarrest question I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> who am I picking now? Right now. Yep. I would pick the European radical team. <laughs> <laughs> I would pick Ram. I would pick Rory. I would pick Sheffler. Because he's amazing, yeah, amazing. To to have his action and have it so under control is to me amazing. Is it sustainable? And, and he and he puts off, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he has been the last year or so. But the, when he, when he was on that hot streak when he won the Masters, he was making everything. It felt like he's not on a hot streak now, is he not? I thought he just well, won last week. He did, but when he was winning, when he was winning everything, I mean, six months not winning for him, I guess is well the way he was striking the ball. They said he was yeah. gained twenty st- strokes ball striking a week, yeah. which is the most amazing, since Tiger. Amazing numbers. Yeah. Amazing numbers. So you'd have him, wouldn't you? Um, say Rory. Yep. So you get Ram, Rory, Scheffler, Hovland. You'd just have Rory because he's so good. Um, and then who else would have? Um, Probably Hovland. Yeah, he's my fourth. That's the same four for me. Probably Hovland. The fifth one's certainly up for debate, isn't it? 
Where would like, Cam Smith? You'd, you'd like no, you'd like to throw him rooks just to have a, a live a live person playing it. Well, that and I mean, if you have a putt to save civilization, I I think I'd rather have Brooks take it than Rory. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I think I think Brooks is a really interesting character, isn't he? Because you can almost see he doesn't get into it unless it's that big. I mean, yeah. when he when he uh, when he played in that last live event in Saudi, and the the interviewer said, uh, "Oh, and you finished third in the overall, and you've got another four million dollars." And he goes, "Have I?" How many does he win? Hey, how many do you think he's going to win? Majors. Yeah. How old is it? Eight thirty-two. Thirty-three. He'll win another five. Wow. That's a lot. He said he was going to win twelve. Well, he won now five. Five. Well, I'm not far off. Do you think he won 10? That's a lot. I think he won 10. I think he's very good. I think he's... And I think his game shouldn't really set up for majors and does. Yeah. You know what I mean? For him to win US Opens is amazing, the way he goes at it, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. You know, he, he don't back off. He don't hit one iron. And he don't three... He just goes the driver all the time. It's because it's all mental with him. And it's, and it's all going back to what we were talking about. He don't fear failure. Yeah. If we don't win next week, if we don't win next major. Yeah. Unbelievable attitude. So how many does Rory win when it's all said and done? Well, see, he won four or five. Four. Seven. Really? You're giving out too many. There's not going to be any more to give out. They've just. Yeah, no, Liv are going to put two more majors in a year in two years' time. Rom, I think will. Rom will. I think Cam Smith might win the Masters if he gets his act together by then, because he loves it there. And then I got see this picture behind. That's my favorite moment in the last decade of golf. Looks like that? Seve, but it's not. It's Cam at the road hole. He's putting it around the bunker. Yeah, unbelievable shot that. Oh, I think it's just one of the best. The pressure, the everything he had to do. It just it was Rory. very bold. Oh, he's he was he great. He didn't consider putting it into the trap like I would. Oh, I think a lot of us would. I had um that's when I really started to love him because I bet on him he was my pick to win. I went on uh ESPN radio, went all these different places and said, Cam Smith, he's still thirty to one, he's gonna win the tournament. Don't worry about anybody else. Cam Smith's winning the tournament. Before it started. Yeah. Jeez, I I started following you too late, telling that. Hey. Yeah, well, that, at that point, that was when it was not quite like you when you were um, you managed four of the five major winners. But I I uh, predicted four four out of five, just like yeah. you. But um, but then it, yeah, it, it's never can sustain it that way. But Cam was one of them, and that was and I, I didn't really like Rory too much at the time because all the stuff he was saying and everything. So that one felt good with Cam coming back from behind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, well, well. Anything else? Any other great stories we got before we, we sign off here? I told you before, I had lunch yesterday. And I, I had lunch with an, about two, three weeks ago. I got really lazy. And I am fairly lazy, but I got really lazy. And I hadn't done anything over a weekend. And I thought, this is ridiculous, because I love watching sport. 
You know what I mean? I just love watching sport. I watch soccer, I watch NFL, I watch NBA, I watch cricket, I watch everything, horse racing, everything. And I thought, no, this is crazy. So on the Monday morning, I said, right, I'm going to ring two or three people, or contact two or three people I haven't seen for ages. So I contacted this guy that was a great pal of mine. Um, and it, it, when I was 18, he was 40. It transpires as part of the story. And he sponsored me a little bit, mentored me a little bit. And he was a worldly guy and he was suave and whatever. You know, he was, he was a proper bloke. And I thought, I'm going to see how he is. So I sent him a text and said, when's a good time to come and have a coffee with me? And he said, um, I've got something on Thursday, but the rest of the week I'm fine. I said, well, what about tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. So then 10 minutes later, he texted me back and said, I booked lunch. I'll see you there at one o'clock. Real trendy place. I'll go and meet him. And he's obviously very old. He's walked there. We've been sitting down for a while. And I said, what are you, Amy? Are you 86? He said, I'm 92. I said, oh, why are you really? Crikey, you're doing well. And he's, I mean, looks absolutely great. Doesn't miss a beat, whatever. So we had lunch. And then we had lunch again yesterday. And he brought his son. In 1986, his son caddied for me all year as an 18-year-old, and I was on tour, and that was my best year. I finished 42nd in Europe, and his son caddied for me. And he started telling me this story that I have no recollection of, vaguely now. And in the 1986 Open at Turnbury, I was exempt. And I got through two rounds, and in the third round, I'm on the putting green, and apparently, I used to be a bit flippant. You know, I tossed the, toss the putter to the caddy and, you know, all this shit. I tossed the putter to the caddy and tee off. And we're playing in front of Jack Nicholas. And, you know, I, I used to get a bit nervous if Jack Nicholas was watching me at the golf ball. Same as Seve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't have to be playing with him if he was just there. Yeah. Sort of felt it. And so go down, and I had a second shot to about 10 feet. This kid's reminded, kid, he's now 56, reminding me of the story. He says, can you remember this? Can't remember it. He said, yeah. Well, we got to the green, and you, you held your hand out for the putter. And I looked in the bag, and there's no putter there. And he said, it bounced off the bag into the long grass. <laughs> and he said, I had to run back up the fairway to go and get the putter. And Nicholas is playing behind us. So there's <laughs> 10,000 people. And I said, what happened then? He said, I ran back, gave you, and you put it out. And I said, well, were we not delaying play? He said, doesn't seem like it, because it carried on as normal. But I've lost my putter in the first hole with Jack Nicholson playing behind me. <laughs> Completely had no recollection of it. Was that year, that was your good year? Was that the uh, year you played in the Italian Open? I was, yeah, I beat Seve. Yes. The, the only time in my life, I think. Wow. I tried to I tried to research it and it's pretty difficult to research, but my guess was that he played well enough, often enough, and I played shit enough, often enough, that I actually never beat him apart from that week. Wow! So you, at least you can say you beat him. I was yeah, he was fourth. I was third. He, I was very privileged to play in Sebi's era because mm-hmm. there's nobody near him. No. Nobody's near it. I mean, even Tiger. Tiger obviously had a different sort of charisma or has a different sort of charisma. But Seve was unbelievable. Seve, 
my my recollections of Seve would be in Paris, you know, because he, he brought European golf up with him. Yeah. There weren't any European golfers, really, till him. And I remember playing at a place called Saint-Cloud, and <clears throat> he's walking up this hill, and he's got, he always had a cashmere sweater tied around his neck, always. Didn't matter whether it's Boss or Slidinger, always had this. And it was always a blue or a maroon or whatever, because that's Spanish, isn't it? And he always had this, and he always had 50 girls behind him. Really? There was, a, there was a trail of women following. I mean, just unbelievable. Do you think he's underrated in the grand scheme of things? Um, probably underrated in the way he played the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? He played so freely and manufactured so unbelievable shots. I mean, there's a couple you see on on YouTube and whatever, where he's, he's hitting un, off his knees under the trees mm-hmm. and it's like this, you know. I mean, he, he used to do things like that all the time. And and he used to, you know, be practising in a bunker and he'd be, he'd be playing a three-iron, like a sandlane, just holding it open and just never changing the angle and just just playing unbelievable shots. I mean, he was just great. I mean, and he's a bit like Aberg. He's a good-looking brother, wasn't he? He's, yeah. You know, I mean, Aberg's got everything and, and Seve had everything. Yeah. And he, like I say, it was a privilege to be around. In, in my lifetime playing golf, there was a, two people that it was a privilege to actually be around and sort of semi-know, you know what I mean? And the other one was Arnold Palmer. Yeah. You know, I, I went to Bay Hill many times and it was, it was a privilege. to. I had breakfast with him once. And, you know, I mean, he was electric. Absolutely, and such a nice man. Just a great person. Yeah, such a nice man. It was, uh, it was great. I remember when I was, I played in 1980 in the Walt Disney Team Championship. It was the only time I ever played in America on tour. And we played this four ball event, playing with a guy called Carl Mason. And uh, we got there early because of jet lag and whatever. And we went to play Bay Hill, I think, on Monday. Which doesn't feel right because they never open on a Monday, but whatever day it didn't matter. And we, in the days of bell sleeve cardigans and high waisted trousers, and you know everything was logoed, absolutely everything. I don't know. I went home with like forty pieces of clothing with Mickey Mouse on, mm-hmm. and uh, and when we were in the shop there, and then the, the assistant pro behind the counter says, "Morning, Mrs. Palmer. Morning, Mr. Palmer." I stood to attention. I absolutely stood to attention. You know, it was like, oh my god, it's yeah. uh, amazing. And then to to sort of live a bit alongside him. When I say alongside him, you know, sort of go to his tournament and see him doing his thing. There was just amazing. And a little different topic, but did you ever have a relationship with Phil Mickelson? Yeah, I've got a story about Phil. Yeah, he knew I would. Um, I had. In 1997, I had, um, I think it was 97. It might have been, it was true. It might have been the one after that. But we had a we had a um, affiliation with Gaylord, and you can imagine me and Coach Lloyd getting on well, can't you? Because yeah, yeah, a bit same. And uh, so we we sort of looked after each other a little bit. And like I say, at the open, we used to have a host house. And, make food for everybody and, and on the Monday night we always used to have a bit of a party because 
on the Monday night, guys had qualified over the Sunday and Monday, the qualifying used to be Sunday Monday. So you'd either got guys that had missed it that wanted a beer or guys that made it that wanted a beer, and mm-hmm. then guys that were exempt. And Phil and Amy came round to the house and came for food. And we always used to have, Monday night was a really good night for horse racing. So we had the horse racing on. So he came over to me and he said, Chubby, will you put a few bets on for me? I said, of course I will. He said, well, just add a naught on every time I tell you a number. Oh, that's fine. So when he said 20, that was 200, etc. And he's, the house we were in was beautifully furnished and carpeted and whatever. And he had a glass of red wine and he's eating his food and he knocked his glass of red wine over. And I swear for 20 minutes, he was on his knees with salt, with soda, with everything, trying to get this thing out. I said, Phil, just buy him a new carpet. <laughs> what are you doing? Just buying new carpet. <laughs> he, was, he was absolutely on his uh, on his knees doing it. And I, I thought, I really like Amy. Amy. Amy was an interesting lady because she knew everybody's name and she mm. used everybody's name. And you see her, meet her once and then you see her a year later and she said, Chubby, how are you? How's, yep. how's your kids? You know what I mean? She was, she was proper. And Phil was Phil. Mm. And Phil was all right. He, He's got that exterior, hasn't he? And you, you sort of have to get through that a bit and the smile and whatever. But he, I think he's a pretty decent. I think he's a pretty decent guy, and he's done everybody a favour. Yeah, has he done everybody a favour? And and all a lot of the stuff he said was absolutely right. Turned out absolutely right. Absolutely made, made everybody a lot of money, hasn't he? Yeah, and nobody's perfect. And there's so many people who want to say he's a horrible person, all this stuff, but. There's no black and white. Everybody, there's a gray area, right? Everyone has flaws. Everyone has strengths. And I think yeah. Phil is just, I mean, I think he's a lot Phil's, of great qualities. Phil's Phil. Phil is Phil. And uh, I read, I don't read books. I listen to books. Mm-hmm. And I listened to Phil by Shitnub. Yeah, I read it. And, and it's amazing because all the press gave Phil a bad rap. But actually, Phil, the book's actually quite complimentary about Phil. I thought the same it, thing. It's not a it's not a bad book about Phil. It's actually most of his good stuff and a little bit of his bad stuff, which is like anybody's life. Yes. You know, nobody's life's all good. And yep. and Shipnook's book about Liv was sensational. I loved it. Sensational. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, it was good. I actually I know Alan a, a bit and I, I direct message him and said, I've just finished your book. It's just just amazing. I think I I think I heard somebody on No Laying Up discussing it. Yeah, I, I got it straight away. Yes, yeah, they he sent me one, and uh, a couple of weeks before it came out, and I because uh, I was gonna write a review on it, but I read it, and I absolutely loved it. And he's kind of gotten a bad people getting going after him on social media and stuff as well. But like you said, it's but nobody ever liked him before because he was too thorough. Yeah, you know when 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 we we had lots of good players, nobody wanted to speak to him because he was too thorough. Mm-hmm. Bamberg was a little bit like that. Shipnut was a lot like that. Yeah, but the, I, he did. I quite great. like them both. What does that say? Yeah, I like Shipnut a lot. He was really, he's been really nice to me. I mean, I, I remember I first was trying to ask him advice and stuff, and he answered me right away. And so, he's a he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Where are you now? Where are you talking from? I'm um just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, are you? Yeah. It's a bit cold, eh? Oh, it's, it's snowing. I was thinking you were warm. 
No, I'm 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 in freezing all day long. There's like three inches of snow on the ground. Really? It, what, and you you said you watch NFL and NBA, so I was going to ask what teams you root yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, I like I like the NFL. I I mean, I obviously like Kansas City because I think Mahomes was unbelievable. I don't I think he's a bit off the boil now, mm-hmm. and and I quite like because I go to Miami quite a lot. Quite like the Dolphins and oh. the fact that they. They, they should have good teams in everything. I went to, I was very lucky. I was courtside to, for two or three heat matches in the, the good old days. You know, I went and go down there with Westwood and the owner. The Pat Riley that. days? The what? The Pat Riley was coaching yeah. them? And, and yeah, they, yeah. They'd, they'd put us on courtside and you got LeBron going like this in front of me. And then you realize who LeBron is and you think, crikey. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the NFL, I, I, watch, I watch most of the games. It's been good recently. The last two, three weekends has been some great games, hasn't it? It's, besides for us, I'm a Patriots. I'm, so when I was 11 years old, the Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2001. And they've gone to, they went to 10 out of the next 20 in the last three years. Now we suck. I'm not yeah. used to it. Yeah. Yeah, you and know the, good at the moment, say. But the Celtics are good. Celtics are good. And uh, the NFL, I quite like watching... Um, I quite like watching the Bengals. Yeah, I think they're all right. Yeah, it's the the trouble is for somebody like me that doesn't really really know the game. You're drawn to the quarterback, aren't you? Yeah. And 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 the other Deontay Smith's unbelievable too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know he gets the ball all the time, and does something, so it sticks in your head. But but the quarterbacks are the people that sort of stick in my head. So uh, you know the the defensive end, I don't. I don't really know what they're doing. Do you? So you get like um, you can see, watch all the games in England. We can watch nearly all of them. Yeah, we have three on on a Sunday. Okay, so three on just... on a Sunday, one on a Thursday, and one on a Monday. So we have five. And and if I really wanted to watch anybody, I can do. Yeah. You know that that NFL pass we can get. Oh yeah. Do many? Do you think many people in in England watch NFL? It's got quite a big following. Really. Every time they play, they sell out. I could. Do you think there'll be a London team in the future? I, I thought there'd be one already. Me too. I, I thought there'd be one already because, you know, when they, when they, I think they played four games in London this year, yeah, and they were all sellouts. You know, they, the the and they they do they do they cover it really well on TV and they've got they've got a I don't know what his name is. They've got a big guy, black guy with hair that stands up with big big glasses, and he's the. He's like the face of it, and it, he's only started doing it full time. I think the last two years, and his 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 knowledge is great, but his his vibes unbelievable. And there's a girl called Phoebe Schechter, yeah, who's also she used to coach the Buffalo Bills. Really? And she, yeah, and she she's quite sexy and quite good and whatever. So they've got a good team. Yeah, really yeah the product good. product is good, and that's the reason why it does so well. I mean, that's what we need for golf. Yeah, the t- commercial. You know, at the end of the day, that's what they're trying to do. We live, aren't they? They're trying to make it a show. Yes. And people don't give them credit for trying to make it a show. So you know, because it's, you know, when people say it sucks and they don't do this and they don't do that, it's not supposed to be like the PGA Tour. Right. You know, what I mean? don't compare it with the PGA Tour. It's not what they're trying to do. They're trying to have something that's different. Yeah. So with the music and whatever, whatever. I mean, you know, we, almost before we even got the tournament, they, 
we decided what the watering hole was going to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we wanted that. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they paid for it. Right. I think, um, before, like when they had the, the meetings, I think didn't Greg Norman was talking to them about, um, I want to ask you about him. Do you have a relationship with him? Yeah, I used to play practice rounds with him. I used to play practice rounds with him for 50 quid and lost 50 quid every time I played. Really? But it was quite fun playing with him. You know, he was, he was, he was what a showman he was when he first came over. He, he was worse when he first came over than he is now. Yeah. And the other person I used to play with, which is really interesting, I keep seeing stuff with him. I used to play with practice rounds with Lee Trevino. Wow. Who was brilliant from. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. He's 84 yesterday, only the other day before. Wow. What about... Um, That's how old I am. How old I'm are you? Not 84. I'm 70. I, was, I would have guessed younger. Thank you. Well, you, you're not going to tell me I look older, are you? <laughs> I wouldn't talk to you again. <laughs> oh, um, all right. Well, I think I, uh, I've taken enough of your time. I mean, but I could, I could talk to you for 10 hours. I, I, well, I we'll love... do it again sometime. Absolutely. You haven't, you haven't been anywhere near as good as I thought you'd be. <laughs> I got I got to sharpen up, and then next time I'll be better. There's yeah, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of contentious things we couldn't discuss. I know. I I just like hearing you talk. I want to hear all the all the stories and yeah. and everything. There's a lot of stories. Yeah. Well, so we'll have to do a part two with with some more of them, and I'll think oh. of some more contentious questions. Well, like I say, there's there's and especially the golf ball. What I, I just I can't get my breath. What's going on? They keep saying the custodians of the game, right? Mm-hmm. In 1984, there was a thing called the Pittsburgh Persimmon. Yep. They should have banned that. They should have stopped metal clubs then. Yeah. And they didn't. And they've let everything get away from them. everything. And and it's crazy. This it shouldn't be like this. We should have equipment that doesn't eat it as far as that. That's all it needed. Yeah. You know, they, they just didn't move the boundaries quick enough. And to do it in 2028, I'll be eating 120 by then. So your pro rollback. Hey? You, you, want, you like the, the fact that they're going to make it go shorter. Well, yeah, but it should have, it should have already been done. I mean, what, what kills me is that this is the first thing that anybody's done for 20, 30 years to make the game harder. This dropping from the knee does yeah. my head in. It does yeah. my head in. It's like cheating. It's that. It's and the other thing, cheating. cheating is blasting it in the TIO relief on purpose. So you get to avoid all the trouble and get a free drop. Yeah. And the matted down stuff. Like It's all gone way too easy. And I, I think I'm one of the few people who's pro. I want it to be harder. And... I think Adam Scott said this a couple of weeks ago that I think is completely true. You should have started with a driver head. Yeah. It's way too big and forgiving. Yeah. If you, if, I mean, now and again, you see an old person and driver, don't you? They're about half the size. Yeah, and it takes more and skill. Believe me, when you hit one out of the heel, it, it went to about 180. Yeah. It didn't go anywhere. It, I'd like it to be more difficult, but people, it seems like nobody wants it to be more difficult. No. You know, when, when, I, when I played, the ball was very soft, cover, very balanced. And you play with good players and even myself. 
if you had a back left flag, you'd draw it in. If it was a back right flag, you'd cut it in. People don't do that anymore. No. They, they can't shape the new balls. You, I, you get very few people that can actually draw a driver. Right. You hardly see anybody draw a driver now. No. It's all like no. a flightless fade. And it's, it's, it's boring because it's just the same shot shape all the time. They're not playing yeah. creative shots into the greens. One yeah. guy you see do it, I, I was look, reading this today, like, Gooch is a guy who actually does flight the ball a little bit. Yeah. Up and but down. He doesn't that far either, does he? No. No. So that he was fun to watch. And then, you know, Bubba's a guy who did it. But other yeah. than that, there's not really, not that many. But the golf balls now are like pinnacles with soft covers. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, it you know when we wanted to see it a bit further, we took out pinnacles. Really? When I first started playing, I used the other size of ball. With wow. a shaft. <laughs> what? Uh, who? Um, last thing I want to ask you: Who's who's the greatest of all time? I I would be wrong to say anybody but Tiger, but only because I've watched Tiger a lot close up. Because you know, Lee and Darren used to play a lot of practice rounds with him, and I've walked around, and you know, it was he was he was. He had a run that was just crazy, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. just crazy. And I think, you know, is he better than Nicholas? You've got to say he beat more than Nicholas. Yeah. There were more decent players then than there were when Nicholas won. But Nicholas's attributes and qualities would be just as sensational as Tigers. And I would think Harry, Harry Varden was pretty good, and I would think Walter Hagen was pretty good. Yeah. I saw Gene Sarazen play. How's that? Really? That dates me, doesn't it? When, when, when was he, like 1936? Uh, when I used, yeah, when I went to the Masters, I only went to the, I never went to the Masters before anybody got in it. So I turned down an invitation in 1992 from Ronan Rafferty, and I said, no, no, thank you very much, but I want to go when one of my guys goes, and I want to have the same thrill he's having. So Lee went in 1997. And Sarazen was still in the T-shirt off the first and playing a few holes. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It was 90-something. Jesus, 90-something. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, um, well, I, I'm with you. I get, I get oh, Tiger. I get uh, yeah. Tiger. Tiger is the best. He is a couple majors behind, but he's he started in 90 less majors or something like that. So. Yeah, no, hard to hard to dispute Tiger. Well, he, he was the best by so far, wasn't he? Oh yeah. Did you ever get to interact with him much? A little bit, like I say in practice rounds. I was I'm pretty friendly with uh, Steiny too. Mm-hmm. Steiny was because I I contracted Tiger to play for us in Turkey three times. Wow. So, uh, you know, I, I got to know him like that a bit. He was so professional. Really? He flew from Singapore to Istanbul uh, 10 hours. Probably been partying before. He got there and showered and then did an hour's press and then hit 25 drivers down the highway in Istanbul from Asia into Europe. <laughs> and and the, the local government on the morning of the stunt decided that they would open 
the right half of the highway to the traffic. So he only had half a highway to hit it then. But if he hit it right, he hit it into the traffic. And if he hit it left, he went in the sea. And he hit 15 down the, the road and 10 into the sea. And it was unbelievable. And he looked a million dollars and he'd been on a plane all night. Wow. Wow. Very professional. When 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 we contracted the first time, Stein, he took me on one side and said, right, let's get just get this straight. Whatever, don't ask for anything over and above what's in that contract. Mm-hmm. He said, but everything that's in it, he will do. Yep. And when you're struggling to get everybody to sign 50 bits of memorabilia, he's done his within half an hour of getting there. Yep. And he everything in the contract and then but no more no more we just did you know i got one not to ask him so there's no point yeah yeah and, and i'll tell you we went to we had him go to a, a cocktail party on the night before it started and there was a it was a hotel so there was a, a balcony around and you got all these people overlooking looking at tiger and then all the people on the ground and i said to Steiner. I'll never have been doing this again. No. I said, I'm uncomfortable. Never mind. Yeah. And the same thing happened at the 2005 Open. Dan was on the putting green, and they were back to each other, him and Tiger. And I just said, I called Dan and Slim. I'm Chubb, he's Slim. <laughs> I said, Slim, I said, just look. I said, there's 5,000 pair of eyes on Tiger here. And absolutely everybody around the putting green was staying in Tiger. That's a hard way to live your life. It is. That's absolutely. Wow. Well, it's it's late where you are, so I'll let you go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've stayed up especially for you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. The only time I stay up this late is when I've got a lady. I, I'm better than a lady. Mm, <laughs> don't think so. No, no. So listen. Next time, just brush up on your contentious questions. Yes, I will. I I seem probably more controversial on the on the social media than I do in real life. Yeah, you know, you, you're a pussy cat. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you you were saying, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Well, you you, you it was like yeah, hungry, wasn't it? This was the warm up. All right, I'll I'll come on again with you, and you can do whatever you like. All right, thanks so much for your time. All right, enjoyed it, and enjoy reading your stuff. Me too. Talk soon. Good luck.